When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Directing traffic from the base of the ruck, it's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Rugby Run on SCNZ. This is the Rugby Run, Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you. G'day, Marshy. How you doing, bud? Yep, good afternoon to you, Ricardo, and uh, a very good afternoon to all the listeners out there. What an um, outstanding round of Super Rugby it has been. Looking forward to breaking down the whole competition with you for the next couple of hours, mate. Yeah, we've got some uh, managed to, to go through the, uh, the the old contacts book, Marshy, and you've uh, you've delivered yet again. We've got some uh, some more big hitters coming up on the show today. Yeah, well, you, you pulled through as well, Ricardo. So great that you've managed to get uh, Drew Mitchell from across the ditch to get his thoughts on not only how the New Zealand teams are tracking, but more importantly, what the Aussie teams are looking like when we sort of hopefully look forward to later in the year that Trans Tasman competition getting up and running and. Um, Equally, we also have uh, Daryl Gibson, current coach of Bay of Plenty, joining us, um, which will be great. And um, in the first hour, Ben Castle as well. So uh, to get his in-depth look, he'll be a pretty happy man, I'd imagine, about the, the victory, last-minute victory that the Hurricanes managed, managed to get last night. Yeah, well, uh, mate, I've got to, we, we should start there because, I mean, I'm a Blues fan, right? I'm born and bred in Blues territory, so I've always been a Blues fan. But I kind of thought coming into this weekend that just having that, that game to sharpen up and harden up against the Crusaders last week would put the Hurricanes in good stead. So I kind of went with them unders, and, uh, boy, it didn't get much more unders than 33-32, did it? <laughs> it certainly did not. No, it was, look, I, I liked the game. Uh, on the the night previous Friday night, uh, you know, two really high quality games, and good to see. I think I spoke about it when we chatted on Monday night uh, about the the the, the lack of rust um, so early in the season that you usually see the players adapting to law variations. Um, you know, the speed and tempo of the game again it always seems to go up a little notch, um, and it takes them two or three rounds to get used to that. But there's been no evidence of that so far in the the first two rounds, which is brilliant. So high-quality games and, yeah, no doubt about the fact that, you know, (laughs) securing a a win for the Hurricanes was probably not what many punters out there picked, Ricardo, so you've done a good job in doing that. I certainly didn't feel that they showed enough against the Crusaders, although they were very good, to beat what um, is looking like a very strong Blues outfit this year. But uh, rugby can dish, dish you up some drama, and by hell it did last night. 
Well, that's two games in a row we've seen the uh, the Canes make big runs from behind late in the game, you know. Yeah. Um, what does that say, do you think, about their conditioning versus other teams? I mean, is that where they're a little bit sharper, do you think? Yeah, I, I think obviously you've, you've got to try and balance out what's happening to them. Um, you know, that's two weeks in a row that they have not been great out of the blocks and um, because of that, they've found themselves having to chase the game uh, and... That, that's never nice. Uh, and also you can get under fatigue when you don't have the ball um, because you're, you're getting asked to make a lot more tackles than what you would like. So that'll be a concern for them. But you're absolutely right. I think the one thing I was doing my um, post-game sort of interviews uh, last night and Adi Savia and uh, Jason Holland, the coach of the Hurricanes, were standing basically just across from me. I wasn't talking to them, but... Um, while we were waiting, I sort of yelled out, well done, boys. You know, that was some sort of a finish. And they both nodded and smiled and put their thumbs up and sort of acknowledged that. Uh, and the one thing that I did say, I said, uh, leaving it to the last minute won't be doing you very good. But I did say, man, that is a, that is showing true character. If you ever want to build character and um, you know camaraderie and resilience in a team, that's the way you do it. And I think probably that's what they've shown in the last two weeks. I think Karatek Gaines teams in the past um, not not particularly you know the recent past but you know well, we way back when things don't go well and they fall out of the game the game's gone um, and and the, the evidence that they've shown in the last two to any team in this competition that they're prepared to go into the dark depths of the game to win a game and uh, they did it last night and they very nearly gave the Crusaders a scare the week before so I think that'll be really encouraging signs for them that there's a real mental shift there for them yeah, I almost wonder whether or not it doesn't play into their hands a bit chasing games because, you know, it felt to me watching Ray Arcee run around last night and, uh, you know, the, and the rest of them, um, Sullivan as well, I thought had a, had a great game when he came on, was was like watching the Hurricanes of old, you know, when Kelly and Umunga and those guys, you know, just the way they threw the ball around and, and, and really attacked all the space at pace. Yeah, and I guess Hurricanes fans out there are probably scratching their head going, why did you put me through, <laughs> um, you know, 70 minutes of torture? Um, because, you know, both instances, um, you know, last week and this week, you know, I think it was, was it 34-14 or something like that. They were down to the Blues. Uh, and equally, you know, they were well behind to the Crusaders, sort of had their moments in the game for those 70 minutes, but really didn't look like the better team in the contest. And then, like a bull out of the gate, come flying into those last 10 minutes and actually show, exactly like you mentioned, the quality that they've got, the style of rugby that they can play. It's like, why are you not pulling that trigger much earlier in the match? Why are you doing it when things seem lost and you're utterly desperate for something? Um, Because you can find a real rhythm and a real way to play. I think a lot of it also is their bench. Um, really impressed with everyone that came off the, the bench. You know, Xavier Numia was good. Ben May was, uh, you know, he set up that uh, pass for Balin Sullivan. So, you know, the the old man, the super, was um, there doing his, his role. Um, I thought that uh, Braden Yosse was outstanding when he came on. Um, the, the two halves, Richard Judd and Ruben Love, and even Umanga Jensen, everyone from the bench really contributed and when I sort of look at the Blues and think right they Pierafeta I thought really added um, and Renata was pretty good but the rest of them sort of um, idled into the same tempo and didn't lift the tempo for the Blues 
whereas the Hurricanes, when they brought their bench on, it significantly changed and they added a different dynamic to the way that the game was evolving and all of a sudden the Blues defence was faced with a lot more challenges and couldn't cope eventually. Yeah, well, that was the thing. I mean, you know, I got to half-time and I, I thought, how are the Blues not further ahead at mm. half-time? I mean, there was some very good last-minute defence and some, uh, I think... A shrewd penalty giveaway, should we say, from the Hurricanes, <laughs> particularly in that first 20 minutes, you know, when yeah. when it was all blues. I think I saw a stat after 14 minutes uh, before uh, Riasi's first try that the Canes had spent two seconds in the Blues 22. Um, and and for that pressure, for them to withhold that pressure, was it was unbelievable. I mean, Leon must be, I know he's not, uh, doesn't have the, the, the full head of hair that you do, Marshy, but what's left <laughs> must be uh, must be fearing for its life. Yeah, it looked like it was fearing for its life last night when we cut away to the the respective coaches' boxes um, when that magic moment from Artie Savia happened. Uh, the jubilation from Jason Holland and Chris Gibbs, and uh, you know, he looked like a little school kid that couldn't stop giggling. Um, but also, you know, conversely going in and seeing Leon just basically grabbing, you know, both sides of his hair, wanting to just pull it apart, you know, like, the look of frustration at how it, that, that that had evolved, and I think the realization that it had happened um, wouldn't have wouldn't have been easy and, and, and a big pill to swallow. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure, um, you know, how he breaks that down. Uh, for long periods of the game, they looked the much better side, uh, and um, I was really impressed with the tempo they were playing at. Uh, what what I liked was their pattern was really good. They were using the full width of the field with every player encouraged to to uh, be sort of transitional and where they wanted to play. You often saw Caleb Clark gravitating off his wing. We saw Robinson um, in, in, in the outside channels, uh, Choate as well. And um, the balance that they had, they had two of us as Sheik as a first receiver a lot. Um, Sullivan came in as a first or second receiver. So they had threats across the park and they looked incredibly dangerous with the ball in hand. So... Yeah, it'll be a really hard one for, for Leon, Leon to swallow and to sit down tomorrow with his crew and um, try and pinpoint where it went wrong. Um, but, you know, those those sorts of lessons are really harshly learnt because effectively that was a home game for the Blues, a game that was supposed to be played at Eden Park. And dropping your home games against these New Zealand sides is, is is really putting you on the back foot early early in the comp. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong there, mate. What about uh, the decision making? You know, from the from the Blues halves, uh, particularly when things started, there started being a bit of pressure. Um, I, I'm remembering, I think it was about twelve, maybe ten minutes out from the end, when they still had the lead, and they had an attack on the. It was to the right hand side of the of the Hurricanes twenty two, and uh, you know it was it was broken play. Uh, there was an option. There's three men outside you, uh, and the short ball gets he goes the short ball rather than to the second man who was in the gap, and the and the yeah. short ball rather than fast hands just takes it into contact. And I'm like, I was sitting here, I was literally on the couch with my partner going, "How have you bombed that? It was it was, <laughs> it was a dead set try. How have you bombed that?" Yeah, I remember that. Um particular phase of play and, and, and I've totally felt the same as well and I guess you know that that is um, the stages of the game where they'll look at thinking you know we had them on the ropes and that was the time to finish them off now why didn't we do that why didn't we execute uh, look mentally I just wonder whether or not they they were 
pretty dominant. Let's see, like you said, they, the the Hurricanes really had nothing in the opening twenty twenty five minutes. The fact that they got uh, an intercept try from um, Royasi was was the only way that they were still on in the game in the scoreboard because the rest of it on balance was all the Blues. And I think probably when I was, um, sort of sat, sat down after the game and thought, now, yeah, there's a few things that they, they could have done a few times. I think uh, there's one stage Rico Iwani went through and he had an unmarked Talia outside him, had a dig at the line and, and came up short. It wasn't too costly from them because they, they got a penalty from it and ended up getting a driving more um, try anyway. So they, it didn't really hurt them that much. But, you know, against maybe someone like the Crusaders who defend line out more well, if Rico doesn't pass there and they let the Crusaders off the hook, a good side will, will really hurt you. So they've got to think about those things. They can't say, oh, well, we got the try anyway. They've got to go, hey, that's not good enough. Rico, you should have let that go. Um, but those those incidents were reasonably frequent, but they weren't infectious. They weren't all over the game. And so I kind of scratched my head and thought, well, where, where mentally did it let them down? And I think to a degree... It was probably, and I know this sounds a bit weird, but it was the ease with how when they got things going, they absolutely um, put points on the Hurricanes. You know, when when they kicked to the corner, their line-out mall and their execution of that was outstanding. And they did it, you know, without really, uh, it didn't look like a hell of a lot of effort. They got good body positions. Um, they, they, they got Kurt Eklund in the back and um, he seemed to waltz over for two tries. Uh, you know, when when they when Caleb Clark scored that the tempo that was in that try, the one that um, Sam Darry scored, like all of that just seemed to happen seamlessly. And I wonder if the mindset was, you know, with the ease that they scored those tries, when it came to having to work hard in the game, when the Hurricanes fought their way back into it, they didn't have that mindset. They 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 were a little bit weak there and thinking it'll happen instead of making it happen. Um, that's about all I can really think um, let them down because otherwise they look pretty bloody good. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought they looked really good. Now, if you if you got thoughts on this, you can give us a call. We have uh, the phone lines open on 0800 150 811. You're a Blues fan, you're a Hurricanes fan. Uh, you got uh, your two cents that you want to throw in here, then feel free to join us. Uh, that said, if you're a, a fan of rugby and uh, Super Rugby in New Zealand and you've got something, maybe we haven't covered your team yet, we're going to get to that because we're going to talk Crusaders Highlanders next. Then you can also call us 0800 150 811 or send us through a message on double eight double three as well. And Later on in the show, we're going to tell you how you can win yourself a Dometic Cool Ice WCI 33 Roto-Molded Icebox. This is a 33-litre chilli, Justin, that keeps ice as ice for days and holds big bots. Uh, this wow. is worth about 300 bones. So I want one of these for myself. Uh, hopefully, if we yeah. do a good enough job of plugging this, mate, we'll get one each anyway. But uh, uh, one of those could be yours as well. Stay here on the Rugby Run and find out how. Taking it up hard and fast, it's the Rugby Run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall. Boomfa on SENZ.
It's 18 past one here on SENZ, the rugby run. Ricardo Paul and Justin Marshall with you talking super rugby through until three o'clock. And uh, I know we're going to talk more Crusaders Highlanders in a minute, uh, Marshall. We have had a text through from Ken saying, hey, yeah, guys, the Canes did well, but, man, the Blues looked great for 70 minutes considering a lot of them hadn't played for so long. Goodhue was great, and RTS already the best 12 in New Zealand. In New Zealand, Bring on the Chiefs. Cheers, Ken. Uh, thanks for your text, Ken. You can text us from double eight double three as well. What do you make of that call, Marshy? The best twelve in New Zealand. I thought he looked really good. Uh, I think um, he 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 proved me uh, wrong. To be fair, uh, I was very unsure how he would cope in the traffic and the line speed at twelve um, compared to rugby league when you're um, sort of playing on the wing or fullback, where he predominantly played where you've got a lot more time and space. You know, you've got the opposition 10 metres away. Um, and, yeah, the decision-making is a lot harder, particularly in that sort of traffic. So I thought he might have been in a bit narrow to start off. I thought he could gravitate there. But probably starting him in the outside backs would just give him a little bit more time to show his skill set. But he didn't look out of place at all. I thought um, his distribution was great. Um, his defence was excellent, you know, like he's used to out and in, um, turning in big time and hitting defenders. He he sat back when he needed to, drifted, um, gave, you know, didn't give players an opportunity to bring him in and hook him in and put other players in space. And that's a big plus, you know, rugby league players tend to take a bit of time to adapt to Union's way of defending. But most importantly, with ball in hand, uh, man, he's dynamic at, the, at just before contact, like, it's not about what he does. Like what he does after contact's great, you know. Um, and we all know that his footwork is exceptional. You know, some of the best we've we've seen on the planet out of any code. But what 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 was really impressive was the way he accelerates into into any contact. You know, he try he tries to pick a weak point, but his momentum to sort of go at that defender is, you know, it's just so explosive. And uh, that that's what you want from a twelve. So look, debatable, Ken, whether or not. Um, at this point in time, he's the best uh, 12 in the country, but he certainly has the potential to be the best, and uh, he's only going to get better. So um, I was super impressed with his first out effort, uh, and um, he will be uh, really pleased with what he achieved on the field last night, no doubt. Yeah, it was a great shout, too, about Josh Goodhue. He really drove the pack, I thought. Oh. Uh, Wow, he he was really good. That is a good shout. I thought Goodhue was was Josh Goodhue was outstanding, and the shift that he put in, um, you know, they, they work well together. You got you've got Luke Romano, who every time he puts a jersey on, you know what you're going to get from Luke <laughs> Romano. So to have that balance from Josh Goodhue with a a different set of skills, but just a a big engine, big work rate, uh, yeah, like for for him to put in a performance like that was was really pleasing. I'm sure that. Uh, the Blues and, and particularly Leon was very happy with what he offered them last night. Yeah, you got to you got to say uh, that he would have been. Now we, we are going to do something uh, over the next few weeks uh, called Match Marshy, uh, where you Marshy, you're going to pick your player of the round uh, out of the New Zealand teams. Uh, let's mm. be honest. And uh, at the end of each show, you're going to announce who your player of the round is. But people uh, who uh, who are part of the show, who are fans of any of the franchises, can have their say on double eight double three and send through their pick for Match Marshy. And if a match is yours, they're in the draw to one, win one of these. 
Dometic uh, cool ice. Um, I, I wouldn't even call them a, a chili bin or an esky. They're, they're that much more than that. They're a lot more industrial, if you like. Uh, a, it's got like refrigeration grade foam and uh, really hard out outside, but really light. They're they're fantastic. About three hundred bucks a pop. So one of those could be yours if you can match Marshy. We're going to be doing that over the next few weeks. Um, so Marshy, I mean, how many how many names are you tossing up between right now? Mm. Oh well, the quality again was outstanding. So it, it does you know make it difficult, I guess, to a degree. So I, I kind of want to put the listeners into the mix of what my mindset is when I'm thinking about uh, the, that player of the round. Um, it's It probably won't be something like uh, an outstanding moment. So uh, an inspirational try um, or something that uh, somebody does individually, it would be on the balance of the game. There's somebody that made a real difference out there and, and um, for their team, not only did their role well, but also had an outstanding game within the team. Um, so it won't be to put you, your mindset um, right so that when you uh, throw the names into the mix, it won't be somebody, um, for example, uh, you know, that does something completely sensational, but that's all they do for the game. Mm. So my mindset will be, that was great. That was an indi- individual piece of brilliance. But over the other 78 minutes, that player was... Very, very quiet. So just to help out for this round, because there's no prize up for grabs this week, um, Leicester Fying Anuku had another really high-quality game for the Crusaders, but compared to the week before, he was quite quiet. But what he did do at one stage of that game was um, you know, go at two defenders, get a miraculous offload away that set George Bridge into the space, and then back on the inside, Will Jordan scores. So you know, that, that was a really pivotal piece of play from Fying Anuku, but the rest of his game was reasonably quiet by his standards. So that wouldn't be enough for me to go player of the match. So that kind of might help the mindset of the viewers out there. Um, nor Will Jordan, who, again, had a great, had a great game, um, but probably wasn't as good as what he was and as much of a threat the week before. He scored an outstanding try, but the rest of his game, he was reasonably well contained by the Highlanders. So that outstanding try won't be enough to convince me that he's our player of the round. So I hope that's clear. I think I've made it clear, yeah? You've made it clear, mate. you made it clear. Ken's actually come back and said with Bowden and Papali'i back next week, hopefully that'll uh, that'll even, uh, that'll even surely help RTS. So you're probably right. That is if they are back next week. Now, Dave has uh, joined us from Palmy on 0800 150 811. G'day, Dave. How are you doing? G'day, Ricardo. G'day, Marshy. Hey, g'day, Dave. Um, just on that. Yeah, g'day, mate. Hey, look, on player of the uh, round, it's uh, lay down Mazir. I think uh, Adi Savia is uh, just playing off the planet at the moment. And um, on a world scale, him and DuPont would have to be the form players in the world. But uh, on the game last night, I thought, you know, the Hurricanes were outstanding. It's not always easy coming back like that, but they uh, held their nerves and came back. I also think it was probably our best chance to beat the Blues. It wasn't in Auckland. They didn't have Papa Leahy. Um, I was a bit worried about the Joe Smith factor, but they uh, showed a lot of grit and came back, and it was an exciting... It was definitely an exciting game in the game of the uh, the round for Super Rugby. And I think they'll, you know, that'll hold them in good stead to go forward from here. Oh, look, I totally agree. And I have to agree with you as well about Artie Savia. Look, it wasn't just 
you know, the, the individual piece of brilliance to score that last-minute try. There was a couple of times there where the Hurricanes just needed something, and he just rolled his sleeve, sleeves up. And I think there's yeah. one stage there in a sequence of about 12 phases. He picked pick and go about three or four times, and I thought, what yeah. the hell is he picking <laughs> that up for? It's probably not on, but he beat defender. He got over the advantage line, and some of his captaincy last night as well, like he, he was really positive, and it didn't pay off a couple of times when he turned down points, but he never stopped persisting. And I think not only his individual play, but his leadership as well last night was outstanding. Yeah, agreed. He, look, he's a guy who gives 110, 120% every week. Mm. And when he comes off the field, he looks absolutely exhausted, which is a good thing as a fan. You know, he's absolutely you know, left the tank empty, which is fantastic. But, you know, he'd be a good candidate for IRB Player of the Year already, and it's only February. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. And I agree with you on the positive signs for the Hurricanes. Like, they pushed the Crusaders really hard, and on a different day, they might have got a, a better result. Um, if they had got into the game a bit earlier than that last 10 minutes, the Crusaders are a bit more mentally tough than the Blues. They, they don't let a lead like that slip, um, I think, because they... They have that experience. The Blues will get that because they're a bit, bit younger. But, man, they, they look really lethal. They're, they're probably the most lethal side on attack when they've had their moments, the Hurricanes. So, yeah, you're, ho- you're hopefully going to have a pretty good season from them. I'm, I'm sure of it. Yeah, good, yeah agreed. Good stuff, Dave. Okay, cheers, Ricardo. Cheers, Marshy. Thank you very no, much. No worries, Dave. Thanks very much, and thanks for the call. Of course, it's a call like that, Marshy. And that could win him a Dometic uh, Cool Ice WCI Roto Moulded Icebox, 33 litres, hold ice for days. Stand up big bots, mate. I know that uh, as a man who brews his own, you appreciate an icebox that holds a, holds a big bot. Yeah, I certainly do. Fun- funnily enough, uh, the remnants I found in my garage before I drove to Dunedin on Thursday of uh, my son, who's now gone back to Lincoln from his crate day. <laughs> he had three, <laughs> three big bots left, um, and I found them in the garage, so... Uh, that chilli bin would be absolutely perfect to keep those things cold because um, he obviously failed in his quest to drink that crate and uh, I pocketed the, the, the leftovers. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. You'll, you'll take that failure every day, Marty. Big time. Big time. This is uh, the rugby run at 129 here on SENZ. Any calls that you want to make on, uh, like Dave just did, your thoughts and your observations from the weekend's games, you can do so on 0800 150 811 or 8833 is our text number. We, we need to do it. We need to talk Highlanders Crusaders, and we're going to do it next here on SENZ. Taking it up hard and fast, it's the rugby run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall. Boom, far on SENZ. Yeah, this is SENZ. It is the rugby run. We're 26 away from 2 o'clock here with Ricardo Paul and Justin Marshall. And Marshall, before we get back into the rugby chat, a big shout-out to the big house, Colin de Gronholm. Uh, he's just brought up his ton in Christchurch. Uh, he came in when New Zealand were four down for 83, and we're now 253 for seven, and he's not out 103. He's got 12 fours and two sixes in his uh, 103 of 144 balls. So uh, well done, that man. Oh, absolutely. Good old Dutchie. Good to see him. Um, you know, resurrect that New Zealand innings. They were in trouble, like you said, to the crease with uh, Daryl Mitchell as well. Oh, man, what a 
an outstanding sort of calendar year he had last year and and um, you know to partnership I think it was a record partnership uh, with De home to get New Zealand back into the test match um, outstanding uh, he'll be pretty happy mate the mullet will be flowing uh, <laughs> as the back as the back get raised and um, uh, it's brilliant to see. Yeah, did I, I had to laugh. Uh, Brendan McCullum was telling a story about the the surname because it gets pronounced so many ways. He said yeah. uh, he said uh, before the test, I said to him, "Mate, how do you actually pronounce it?" And he said, "I don't care." So um, <laughs> just what you want as a broadcaster. Thanks for the clarity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, doesn't surprise me with that, man. No, no. Now let's uh, talk. Of uh, course, your Crusaders and the Highlanders, and mate, the Highlanders gave them a real hurry up that first quarter of an hour. What was it, thirteen nil down? And you were thinking, what, what's going on here? They just gave uh, the the Crusaders no opportunity on the ball. Yeah, they did. They they came out of the tunnel um, and straight from kickoff, they're massively positive, completely uh, extricated all of their problems from the week before. Their handling skills, um, their mistake rate was. Uh, really high and uh, that wasn't evident for the first sort of quarter of that game and uh, they dominated the Crusaders in fact they had them shell-shocked uh, the, the, the tempo they were playing with uh, beautiful set piece try um, you know the balance that they had was was excellent the ball carry was hard and strong um, and they had had the Crusaders starved of the ball um, so they'll be really pleased and Tony Brown in particular at the response he got you know, he obviously had some harsh words during the week, uh, and the players really fronted, and they they really had the Crusaders um, working hard for the entire eighty minutes to 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 get their victory on on the night. I've got to ask you a question, Marshy, and I and I you can take your eye patch off for this one if you if you like. Um, but um, early on in that in that phase, uh, in that first sort of 15, 20 minutes, there was a situation where Mitchell Drummond reached out and he batted a pass from Aaron Smith down. He wasn't trying to uh, intercept the ball. He wasn't trying to grab it. It was literally just a bat down, and then he turned the bat down into a tackle. Mm. And he managed to get away with it. It was still a penalty, but shouldn't that have been a card? Shouldn't he have been in the bin? Yeah, well, technically, when you do uh, knock the ball down in that instance and there was a, a free player on the outside who absolutely would have scored, um, you know, that's not only a penalty try, it's also a yellow card. Uh, I think what Mitchell Drummond did with all of his over 100 games experience for the Crusaders is, like you say, he kind of made it look like he was wrapping his arm around um, to make a tackle. So he sort of reached out, wrapped his arm around, managed to slap the ball because he knew he was compromised. There's no way he could get that. He was the last defender. He couldn't get to that defender who was on the touchline. So he quite, in a clever way, managed to hit the ball and then sort of wrap his arm around Aaron Smith in the same instance. And uh, the referees, that's really hard to pick up whether they can um, determine that as being a professional foul or purely accidental. And um, to, to pinpoint it, they probably... Uh, would have been clutching at straws, I think. Uh, it was just a really bit of, you know, quite heads-up thinking from Mitchell Drummond, and it, and it did save a certain try. Yeah, how, how many how many um, hours of of one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching have you given him to, to perfect that, Marshall? <laughs> yeah, no, the, 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 I'll tell you what, mate. The halfbacks learn that on their own. Every, everyone's the same. They, uh, they're sneaky little people, and I know I'm talking about myself as well, but... You know some of the things that um, Aaron Smith is doing at the moment as well. I think he um, he passed the ball into um, Fergus Burke there at one stage. He had no intent whatsoever 
to do anything by that. I think I said in the commentary, it's the worst pass I've ever seen him throw. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's just uh, uncoachable stuff. But that's a, a typical halfback, knowing that the referee's there, knowing what he can get out of it. And he, and he did get the, the penalty and three points from it. So uh, don't worry, mate. That, that, those genetics are in all of us. I didn't <laughs> teach Mitchell Drummond anything. It's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was going to say, so you mentioned in the last break that try for Will Jordan, and yeah. uh, I, I had to laugh because I don't know if you, you noticed it, but Cullen Grace was looming outside, sure that he was going to get a gimme try, yeah. and Will Jordan, even though he was like just about had his shorts around his knees, still kept going and managed to get the dot. Cullen Grace looked gutted. I, I doubt Will Jordan's getting a birthday invite. No, I, it, I did notice that. He did have a spare player, and I think... Quite possibly, um, he was aware that he was there, but the momentum that he had was just enough to push him towards the line. I guess when you're in that situation as a player, and Will Jordan, well, we know how good he is at scoring tries. Um, his strike right rate, not only for the Crusaders, for the All Blacks, is phenomenal. Um, there is a little bit of risk in a pass. You know, it could drift forward or it could not um, stick, or the player that you're passing it to could drop it. So a player like that who knows how to score tries and is that close, just backed himself, didn't he? So, yeah, unfortunately um, for the Lucy, uh, a man that could probably do with getting a dot down because Jordan's got enough of them. Um, Cullen Grace wasn't able to to get that last um, little pass, but, you know, that's Will Jordan at the moment, isn't it, man? He's just simply scintillating form. Yeah, absolutely scintillating form. A man that I know that'll have a few things to say about that and the uh, and he'll probably still be revelling in that Hurricanes win is Ben Castle. He's going to join us next on the Rugby Run here on SENZ. Taking it up hard and fast, it's the Rugby Run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall. Boom far on SENZ. This is SENZ. It is the rugby run. Justin Marshall, Ricardo Ball with you through till 3 o'clock talking Super Rugby. 16 away from 2 o'clock and joining us now is Ben Castle. Of course, uh, a man that's uh, played plenty of rugby for the Bay of Plenty and for the Chiefs as well and been involved with the Hurricanes set up in the past. G'day, Ben. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, Ricardo. How are you guys? G'day, Marshy. G'day, Benny. Hey, mate, uh, I've got to say, uh, uh, I saw Ben May the last two weekends running around, uh, you know, a bit of a namesake of yours, and I checked his his age and your age, and I'm like, there's not much difference. How long before we see Ben Castle pulling on a jersey again? Oh, mate, I've already spent my career in reverse. I don't need to carry it on, mate. It's, uh, <laughs> um, oh, big Ben May still doing the job out there. It's impressive to see. He's um, he's a bit of a cult, cult hero across I mean, he had time at the Crusaders and the Chiefs, and then he's made the Hurricanes his home, and you know he's doing a doing a great job down there for um, some of those younger props that they've got there, and just helping them uh, develop along the way, both on and off the park. I think people like Big Ben May are really critical for some of those off off the park things that um, brings a team together and the culture of a team. Now, uh, we saw, of course, the Highlanders take on the Crusaders on Friday night, mate, and they they started with a with a hiss and a roar. Um, but things started to, well, I wouldn't say it was all hung on this, but they certainly, the, the loss of Ethan de Groot when they lost him seemed to curb some of that impact that they had up front with the uh, with the game line. Yeah, hasn't he come on really well, Ethan de Groot, and you're right. It was a it was a big uh, loss for the, the Highlanders. It just took a little bit of sting out of their pack, a little bit of momentum. And again, though, it just shows you the Crusaders, and you know, you've seen it year and year 
uh, after year and after campaign, just the way that they absorb pressure, and they did that, they had to absorb a bit at the start, and then how they just turn around and start to apply the pressure. So those two key areas of the game, and, and they just get that balance right. You know, they just back themselves to, to hang in there. But the, I mean, I heard you just talking about it before I've, I've jumped on here, and, and yeah, Tony Brown will be happy um, with some of those things there, but still, it's, it's still none from two. So they go back to the... You know, back to the drawing board tomorrow, and they've got to get get ready against the Hurricanes next week. So it's still there's still plenty of work to do for these teams that haven't quite got across the line yet. But still, some positives. But it's not the W, right? Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, and you drop games in this New Zealand comp, and um, you find yourself really chasing the competition, don't you? Um, just want to go back, Benny, to your area of expertise. You mentioned um, the front rows and uh, De Groot. Um, I want to ask you shortly about uh, what you've made of the front rowers so far across the board. But firstly, the innovation that the referees have brought in to speed the scrums up. What have you made of it in the first two rounds? I've actually thought it's been pretty good, to be fair. Yeah, I think the the, the attitude, it is good. I think the attitude of teams is, is pretty sound in that area as well. I think um, you know that goes back to each individual coaching group and each team around how they're treating scrums now and uh, scrums also get a bit of a t- tough rap around just restarting play, but they are a big part of the game for eight players who are who are getting a crack against one another, and it's a, it's a, an attacking weapon, and it starts to it builds momentum across the game as well. So it it is positive. Uh, I think there's the moves that the referees have made in conjunction with the players association and with New Zealand rugby and with the teams to. To, to keep it positive because we want to see positive rugby that keeps the fans engaged, it keeps people coming back and it also puts a nice little spotlight on scrums that they aren't just a uh, just a restart for the for the popos up front just to bash each other. It's, a, it's a still a critical part and I'll tell you what, these some of these front rowers that are, that are out there going for it, you could see it last night and, and some of the other play, not just the scrum play, but you look at a Joe Moody who scrums really well how he carries that around the field into some ball carrying, some big collisions. I saw the Hurricanes were pretty sound last night at scrum time. And you look at like a Safa Moore and even Tyrell Lomax, so they, they take momentum out of scrums into other facets of the game. So it's really important that you nail that set piece and then you'll be confident at line-out time. You'll be confident at clean-out time. You'll be confident in the breakdown and all those other areas. So it's a massive part and I'm enjoying watching it. Yeah, it's a good point that you make because I don't know if you've watched very much of the Six Nations but you would have watched the end of year tour and watching the way that some of the front rowers are playing in that part of the world now um, you know there's more than just a ball carry there isn't there there's there's distribution and they are finding themselves in more areas than just the middle of the field and I, was, I want to tap into you I know it's a difficult question but you know, that's traditionally, yeah, I know we've got good carriers in Moody and Lalala, et cetera, um, Hodgman, but they don't distribute much and they don't often find themselves in parts of the field that could be a bit scary for them. So, you know, like, do, do, do we need to um, get up to speed with the rest of the world or do you think that we've got to stay within where we operate and our skill set lies? Oh, that's a, yeah, it's, a, it's getting that, that balance right. I think both. We've got to kind of got to do both, right? We've got to keep our um, our style of players and, and work that to the best of the ability. But you're right, watching some of that Six Nations, particularly the the Irish and the French. I mean, the French are I think are playing uh, brilliant rugby at the moment, really building nicely. 
Um, I mean, they'll take the Six Nations title, I'm sure, and um, and take that momentum, really focused on that 2023 World Cup. But they are, they're finding the, the ones with the small numbers on their back, you know, one to five, really, in those channels where they need to distribute. And I saw it last night a couple of times, even in the, in the Hurricanes game, uh, towards the end there, a ball from, I think it was Ben May, um, out the back, those those, yep. those sort of rolling passes that they take and they, they drop it late to a, run, a runner coming from behind them. They need to have that skill set because if they're in that position, you know, that you've got to snap and, and nail a critical moment in a game like when then Balen Sullivan broke through and they scored to win the game at the end without a pass like that from Ben May or without some of the finer skills from these big men, it just doesn't happen. So coaches are working really hard on 1-15 to 15 or 1-23 to 23 across across all of their skill sets to have it. And front rowers now, they'll you know, put your head down, get out of the way, let someone else carry and you clean out. Sure, that happens when you have a bit of time. Okay, If, if, I, if there was a couple of props standing there and Adi Sabir was in your pod, well, you'd tell Artie to get the ball and carry and we'll clean out. But if you yeah. don't have that time to get organised or react or have enough time to react or get into position, you've got to put your hand up and do it and be able to execute. You've touched on a couple of the teams, the Crusaders, Highlanders, where they're sort of sitting. Crusaders as methodical as ever. Um, the Hurricanes and got out of jail last night, um, and you'll be pleased to have seen that. Um, but, you know, they're pretty slow starting at the moment, aren't they? And they're leaving it to the dying minutes to get into games. But what about your impressions of the Blues and, and also the Chiefs, which we saw in round one? How have, you, how, how have you seen those sides and who looks pretty good so far in the first couple of rounds to really challenge the Crusaders this season? Yeah, look, I think uh, the way the Hurricanes, you're right around how they started. You know, it was probably the first three minutes, three big moments that they, they blew and then the Hurricanes... Um, you know, they leaked that try and they, for 11 minutes they had no ball so yes they've won but I know that Holland and Gibbs and that coaching group there will be working pretty hard this week to get that right I think um, the, the Blues the Blues looked really powerful uh, I think across the across the board again they, the way that they um, they kind of go from second gear to fifth gear really quickly it's quite crusader like they can when they sense a bit of opportunity when they get that momentum or they get a turnover they can really uh, spark some speed into the game, and they get really urgent. Um, and so they look they look good across the park. There are some guys that are standing out as well for the for the Blues. You've already mentioned Goodhue. Um, I thought he was outstanding, really growing into that into that role. And, and even some of their bench players coming on, the likes of the Sam Darry and others, are adding adding to it. So Dalton Papaliki coming back hopefully next week for them, and, and Abodin Barrett. They're, they're just going to get better and better. The Chiefs um, the Chiefs are impressive. Against the Highlanders, of course, it was that you know game one and the old uh, you know you're you're now your local stomping ground, Marcy there at Wakatipu, <laughs> which is um, not not the big um, the big hype of a big stadium, but they you know they went in and did the job. I thought it was great to see Brody Retallick back um, back playing well. I thought Peter Gustawakula was playing really well. Um, mm. yeah, the Chiefs the, the Chiefs are going to be really sound um, this year again, and especially another season now with Clayton McMillan. Uh, Warren Gatlin in the background just marshalling his expertise across it. Uh, this will be a big week for them, though, the Chiefs, how they, uh, you know, a week off and how they respond. Will they be slow? I, I, I wonder if the Blues maybe would have been a bit sharper had they had that game under their belt. So it'll be interesting having that kind of bye, bye week, which you'd probably call it, without Moana Pacifica. So, yeah, big game for the Chiefs, but, you know, they're, they're going to be right up there again. 
Uh, you just uh, touched on something you mentioned before, Ben, about the uh, you know taking that scrummaging uh, around the field with you. I think we saw a bit of that from Alex Hodgman, didn't we, with uh, the two Kurt Eklund tries, particularly I think the first one where he really just uh, took on the um, you know the rolling mall and just pushed it back almost by himself, while Eklund sort of uh, just sort of uh, hung on the side there before uh, before dotting down. Yeah, it's uh, it's a critical when you when you're getting a bit of uh, dominance up up front or you're you're feeling confident because um, every scrum's different. So whenever every time you've got to hit in, you've got to be right on. You've got to make sure you're hitting in the right spot. Your your shoulders in the right spot and everything's everything's going. You've got and it's a full eight that are working. So you're working as a front rower or as a prop rather. You're working really hard with your lock, with your loose forwards, and everyone's working to that same that same tempo. But if you and then you carry that around. You carry that around the ground. So if you're feeling good at scrum time, then you're gonna you, you can't wait to get stuck in again and take them on somewhere else around the field. So that line out time, right? It's same body position as more or less as a scrum. You're moving forward. You're starting to use all the weight you can. So those driving driving line outs are great. They are indeed. Oh, good thanks. Stuff. thanks very much, Ben yeah. Castle. Uh, really appreciate your time, mate. Go well and uh, keep up the good work at Tommy's Real Estate, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah, get we'll the plug do. in. Get the plug. You got to. You always got to get the plug in with Ben. Got to get the plug in for Tommy's real estate. He, he does a great job on the Saturday session with uh, Dan McCarty as well. In the next hour, hopefully, we'll talk to Glenn Jackson. We'll also talk to Daryl Gibson, and we'll talk more Super Rugby from the Aussie side. The Rugby Run, your Super Rugby Pacific fix every Sunday from one with All Blacks great Justin Marshall and SENZ's Ricardo Ball, who often wears All Black. The Blues, Crusaders, Chiefs, Highlanders, Moana Pacifica and the Hurricanes. We've got you covered. Plus, we will get the view from the other side of the ditch for a complete 360 view of rugby's greatest club competition. The Rugby Run, 1-3, to every Sunday on SENZ. Directing traffic from the base of the ruck, it's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with The Rugby Run on SENZ. Just gone two o'clock here on the rugby run on SENZ. Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you. And joining us now is a, a bloke who uh, many will know as a referee. Many will know as a as a first five. I'm, I ran into a Marshy the first time when he was about 18 and had just broken into the Tauranga Sports top side uh, with a bloke called <laughs> Nudgy playing inside him at halfback. Glenn Jackson joins us. G'day, mate. How are you? G'day, fellas. Yeah, thanks for having me from uh, wet and horrible Australia. Mate, yeah, uh, there's been all sorts of sports cancelled over there recently. The Warriors trial, I see the Phoenix have been postponed as well. Uh, it's uh, pretty wild and woolly, mate. How dangerous is it? Oh, we're in Canberra, mate, so it's always a pretty dangerous spot here. But uh, no, the weather, yeah, no, it's been bloody average actually for the whole uh, whole year. So um, it's uh, it's pretty bad at the moment. There's a lot of floods, so hopefully we can get back to our base in Lennox Head uh, when we land in a couple of hours. Hey, Jacko, thanks for joining us. Oh, well, the good thing is, mate, that'll be, the sun won't be harsh on that uh, sensitive skin of yours. Um, hey, <laughs> look, you'll know as much as we, we all did here that the, the first up performance from the drawer wasn't what you were after, but I guess it was a feeling out process. Um, but last uh, yesterday afternoon, you must have been much more pleased. A really 
sort of courageous effort and a lot better. Yeah, Marsha, you've got to feel for the for the boys. I mean, it's no excuses, but uh, you know we're, we're we're blessed to have seventeen well seventy percent of the boys off the island. So they uh, that's awesome for for Fiji in itself. But with COVID and everything else going like where everyone's had, um, you know, they hadn't sort of played any footy for eighteen months. So to come into Super Rugby probably was a bit of a uh, sort of massive occasion for them. Probably got over overawed a little bit last week, and uh, this week, unfortunately, you know, we just came against. Uh, a Brumby side that we knew if we were going to make a few mistakes, uh, you know, it's, it's no illusion what sort of game plan they have. Um, their set piece is really good and, and it taught the boys another valuable lesson of sort of hanging on to the ball. But, uh, yep, the signs are getting there, mate. Um, again, it's it's awesome, I think, for, for Fiji and also for the competition um, that the boys are in there. But, uh, you know, the lessons are picking up are pretty valuable and pretty quick. Yeah, I totally agree. Like they, they hung in there, didn't they, defensively, the Brumbies, because... You know, you did put a lot of pressure on them through certain stages and they sort of defended their line pretty well. So you'll, I guess you'll learn from that to probably stay more patient than the defence, but it was really pleasing to see. How, how have you found going into the environment? You obviously um, have done quite a bit of coaching now here in New Zealand, um, but you're dealing with a different beast, aren't you? So what's it been like trying to get this team to play the style of rugby that you think will best suit them? Yeah, well, the best thing we wanted to do, Marsh, is sort of not go away from the, what, what Fijians bring to the game, and that is offloads and playing, you know, magical footy, scoring from anywhere. So, you know, one of our big sort of uh, key points that we wanted to have was not not go into a massive structure game. Um, the boys just got to understand it's uh, it's a bit higher than skip a cup, and you know, certainly not seven. So it's just a the time when they can offload versus just having to take it in and, and reset again is, is still that fine balancing act. But, um, you know, we're, we're lucky. Well, we haven't got any real established flying Fijians in the team. So, again, it's going to be it's going to be awesome for the future of Fiji rugby that we're able to get these uh, young men. You know, we've got a very, very young team, a lot of couple of 20-year-olds running around, but mostly around 22 to, to actually have a feel and taste of this wonderful competition. And... Um, and as I said just before, the learnings are, are, are harsh and, and they're quick. But, uh, you know, for the future of, of, of the game in Fiji, it, it, it's fabulous to have them involved. Well, speaking of getting a taste, um, you've got a bit of a taste of firsthand what it's like taking on those Australian teams from week to week, um, as opposed to sort of looking at it, I guess, from inside New Zealand, look at it, looking at our rugby. What? What are they shaping up like? Well, obviously, we're all hoping, and I'm sure you are as well, that we'll get that amalgamation with the Trans-Tasman ha- happening later in the season. But from your perspective and what you've seen and what you've coached against, how are the Australian team shaping up this year? Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to know, Marcia. Like you said, I mean, we all hope that the Trans-Tasman bubble sort of opens up and we can get a cross-games cross sort of uh, games going on because... What we're finding, I think New Zealand are just bashing each other and, and, you know, it's taking a toll on them and Australia doing the same because they know each other so well. So just to get at some crossover games and see how each other's feeling would be, would be great. I, I know the Waratahs personally from last week, I think they've um, stepped up a level uh, with the new coach and, and um, coaching group there and some, some younger players. So they've, they've sort of gone really well. I think the force... Um, They've gone well with some Kiwi Kiwi connections involved in them, so they're playing mm. some really good footy. Um, and obviously the Brumbies, you know what you get with uh, Dan McKellar, I think is a fabulous coach going into the Australian setup next next year. So, um, you know, they're there and thereabouts, I think, Marshy. But again, it's hard to know until 
until we get these crossover games and see exactly sort of where we all sit within within um, the competition. I've been, chuck- I've been chuckling away to myself about asking this question. Uh, so, obviously now you've um, you've got the coaching hat on. Um, so what what have you made? Of, what have you made of the refereeing? Has it been shit or <laughs> ah, bloody terrible, mate? Bloody terrible. <laughs> no, it's mate. Uh, look, it was sort of my goal when I finished, just to make sure I went into the change here with a couple of beers each time afterwards. And uh, so far, I'm two for two going on there, and just uh, congratulations. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been it's I, I you know the thing is. We're all part of footy and we love getting involved in, in some some sort of decisions. I also know how tough it is. You know, we had a young guy last night playing, doing his very first game of, of Super Rugby. So, um, you know, it's good to see the youth coming through in the game. But, uh, yeah, I've had to, had to try and keep a lid on it a little bit, Marshy, just to, <laughs> to make sure that uh, the game, game runs quite smoothly. But, uh, yeah, nah, they've, they've been all right. It's been good. Now, speaking of uh, young guys, um, Jacko, you had uh, Caleb Munts get a start in 10 uh, last night, of course, position that you know well. Uh, what was your conversation with him leading into this game and, and what was uh, you know what was the, the reasoning between shifting Baden back to fullback and, and giving Caleb a run at 10? Oh, purely because, I, I, you know, Caleb's, I think, uh, and personally, I think seeing what I've seen from him, obviously come from Hamilton and played a little bit up north and then down in Christchurch, uh, he's going to be a fabulous player. So, um it was a good chance to get him in there um, with Baden's experience at the back, just to sort of help him out with his with his first game. But uh, no, I'm really impressed with uh, Caleb. He's a he's a great young kid. He trains really really hard. Uh, he's he's tough, like he's really tough on defence and stuff like that. And um, you know he's proud proud to to be here with the Fijian team. Played Fiji under twenties, and uh, hopefully you know like again another young guy getting a taste of. Super Rugby can only only improve him as a, as a player and, and be great for the future of Fiji Rugby. So really excited by him. Great kid, fits in really well. And uh, yeah, like I said, hopefully, uh, hopefully he goes really well in that position. Now, I know you've got to jump on a boat uh, to Sydney, mate, uh, or a plane to Sydney to get into a boat uh, to get to back to the training ground. But uh, before we do let you go, we are doing something on the show uh, called Match Marshy, where we get people to uh, to text in their player of the round. And if it matches Marshy, you could win yourself a, a Dometic cooler uh, icebox worth about 300 bucks. Uh, I'm just wondering if you've, got a, if you've got a nod for who you think the player of the round's been so far for you. Well, oh, it's a tough question. I, I mean, unfortunately, I, I just you know you you appreciate how good New Zealand is in terms of coverage of uh, of footy. It's pretty hard to watch it over here. No no pub seems to have stand sports, so hard to watch. Uh, obviously, it must have been some someone from the Hurricanes, I think, to, for them to come back like that. So, uh, am, am I close there, Marshy? Someone from the Hurricanes yeah, beating you your are, old team you there, are mate? Very close, then. And by by God, I tell you what, for you to be missing out going to the pub and watching the rugby, you've actually done a good job at guessing there. So, well done to you. Yeah. yeah, so now obviously good big result there, big result. Something the Crusaders normally do to other teams. So, yeah, indeed, indeed, good stuff, Glenn. Hey, thanks very much for coming on and giving us some time, mate. I, I know you with the boys at the airport. You need to get on, but uh, really, really appreciate it. Go well and uh, good luck with the rest of the season, eh? Good on you. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. And obviously, they'll yeah, find exactly. the Blues, not Crusaders. So that's how much I watched it. <laughs> 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 We'd let that slide. We'd let that one go through to the keeper, actually, Jacko. But that's all good, mate. That's all good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Appreciate it. Cheers. Go well. Glenn Jackson there with us at nine past two here on your Sunday afternoon. This is the Rugby Run. And, uh, yeah, Marshy, I mean, that, that 
That was an interesting call on on, on putting Munson at ten, uh, especially yeah. against the Brumbies. But I thought, you know, we kind of touched on it that Baden Kerr kind of made a, a few basic errors early in that first game against the Tars, didn't mm. he? That put them under pressure. Yeah, and I guess what they're trying to do is that they're trying to get the balance uh, right, aren't they? And you know, maybe they thought that putting Baden Kerr there would um, rein in a little bit of that uh, enthusiasm that the Fijians can have to play when maybe they should be being a bit more conservative, but it didn't really work. The synergy looked a lot better yesterday. Um, you know, I, I certainly think that I was expecting that to be a real blowout. Um, obviously, you know, the weather wasn't great, but um, I, I certainly think that they, uh, they they grew from week one to week two, which was really encouraging. And I, I like that they're, like what Jacko was saying, you, you don't really want to cage a ball, you know, so... You've got to get that balance between letting them do what they do instinctively and then trying to sort of work that into a game plan. And we saw a bit of that yesterday, some chips over the top, a little bit of Fiji and flair. Um, so, yeah, they'll, they'll only get better. And I was really encouraged to see them improve from where they were week one because I was worried they were going to get some genuine cricket scores on them. But much better. So good stuff to them. Yeah, very much. So if you've got a thought, as we mentioned with uh, Glenn Jackson there on who your player of the round is, uh, well, you've had a steer. You had a bit of a steer there. It's probably going to be a hurricane. Then text us on double eight double three double eight double three with your player of the round. Uh, we call it Match uh, match Marshy. And uh, from next week, you could win yourself a Dometic Cool Ice WCI 33 roto moulded ice box. Holds 33 litres and keeps ice for days and also fits the tool bots, uh, which is exactly what you need. So flick as a text, double eight, double three, with your option for the uh, match marshy and player of the round. Up next, we're going to head back to Australia and catch up with former Wallaby Drew Mitchell. Taking it up hard and fast, it's the Rugby Run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall. Boom on SENZ. This is SENZ, it is the Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you through till 3 o'clock, talking everything rugby uh, with the focus, of course, on Super Rugby Pacific and joining us out of Australia, part of the SEN family uh, from Wallaby, Drew Mitchell. G'day, Drew, how you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good, and, uh, you know, uh, it's an interesting game in, in pretty tough conditions uh, for the big game of the round over your way uh, between the Tars and the Reds. And got to say, mate, I thought, you know, the Tars played most of the football and will be kicking themselves if they didn't get a win there because the Reds were there for the taking, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially before the game, losing Taniela Tupo for the Reds in the warm-up with some back spasms and then also Tate McDermott going off after 38 minutes. Like, you don't get too many opportunities against the best team in Australia uh, without arguably two of their best for, you know, for um, most of that, that game, especially with Taniela out. He's just such an influential player at the moment. Uh, come set piece and around the field so like you say especially in that first half the Waratahs are playing all the footy we weren't quite able to capitalise and, uh, and turn it into points and then for some reason both teams sort of came out in the second half and just played a little bit more territory put the ball a bit more on the foot and uh, and almost just stopped playing a little bit which was um, which was surprising given that the, the conditions were no different in the second half as they were in the first and obviously a message was given to both teams and both teams sort of just played it out uh, off the boot and 
Um, Waratah still had a chance right at the end there. Uh, there's been a bit of chat around the decision to bring the entire front row off for the Waratahs uh, with, with 15 to go. So plenty of talking points, but like you, you mentioned, um, one that really went missing for the Waratahs. Yeah, I thought so. I thought, you know, I mean, without... Um, no, you know, throwing one bloke, uh, bloke up to sort of say, well, you know, he didn't do his job and that's where it fell yeah. over. Was, But I thought Ben Donaldson's decision-making, particularly in that second half, uh, could have been better. There was a few opportunities that the Tars had on attack and he just seemed to take the wrong option. Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be a, a genuine learning for him, for sure, going, uh, you know, having a look at the review, most likely tomorrow for the Waratahs, just some of that decision-making, you're right. There was a couple of times where, had uh, space, and I think he knew where the ball needed to get to. Probably just chose the wrong options to get the ball there. A couple of times with the crossfield kicks, also a big long looping uh, cutout pass that probably skipped about four players rather than just sort of play it through the hands. And and I think maybe there's a bit of a hangover from from last year for the Waratahs not having such a successful year and and just maybe pushing too hard or not being patient enough to build the win as opposed to um, you know like what they what they tried to do was just take it right there in the uh, in the moment and. Um, you know, rather than backing themselves in, you know, if, if it didn't happen in that phase, then just build build on that and then get the, the quick ball and, and go the same way again before the, the Reds' defence could, could really settle and, and get a structured defensive line. So definitely some learnings for, for Ben Donaldson. I thought he was pretty strong otherwise, um, you know, sitting back in the, in the pocket to get the field goal, which is probably something we haven't seen from a 10 in Australia for a long time, even having the mindset to kind of have that as an option and, uh, and execute it. So... Some, some good things to like about Ben Donaldson at 10, but also for him, I'm sure there'll be some learning coming out of that game. Hey, Drew, Marshy here. Mate, great to have you on the show. Um, Stan Sport, you're across all of the games, so you'll be pretty familiar with uh, the all of the sides. Um, yeah. What, what sort of changed from, from your point of view? Like, for example, the Force are playing such better rugby. Uh, we've mentioned the Waratahs. Is, is that an indication of better depth or is the other teams falling away a little bit and you know what's your summary of where they're all sitting at the moment yeah look i think the the reds and the brumbies have probably had the most settled teams out of the the five franchises for you know for a number of seasons now and they've um you know they've been strong the last couple of seasons but i think you know like with respect to the, the force i think they've just really recruited well i think there was maybe five players from the brumbies of last year playing for the western force um well, last weekend and also this weekend as well. And they're just guys that weren't getting opportunities in other states, but now getting an opportunity and relishing it. You know, Rishan Pasatoa at 10 for the Western Force has been strong. Mm-hmm. Bailey Kunzel. Uh, these types of guys that weren't getting too much exposure at other uh, other teams previously that are now have got a point to prove. They, you know, like they've obviously backed themselves. They just thought, well, kind of move to Western Force, get themselves a little bit more time in starting. And, and you know, the Western Force are now sort of benefiting from that. And, I, I think that what the Western Force have done in the last few years, they've built a really good culture with a few older guys, you know, like Richard Kahui, for example, brings experience to the, 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 the group and, 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 you know, really builds that sort of, uh, that, that culture of working hard and, and, you know, you don't get anything for free. You've got to work for everything. So I think it's sort of starting to pay some dividends for the Western Force. And, and like I said, couple that with, with some good recruitment. Um, they're starting to benefit from that and, um, the Waratahs, I think, probably a bit of a shift in um, the coach, uh, Darren Coleman, coming from the LA Guiltinis over there in the MLR. But he's just, he's just super passionate. He's got his dream job. I think the biggest 
difference you're seeing with the Waratahs this year to last year is they're just a united defensive team. Like the Waratahs are just leaking too many points last year, and now all of a sudden they they look to be working for each other. They they bought into whatever the, the message that Darren Coleman's been drilling into them, and they're working for each other. And you know, off the back of that, you, you've got to you know like defense wins any championships. Doesn't matter what sport you're in, defense wins championships. So off you know, and, and also gained confidence as well with ball in hand off the back of it. So I just think, um, I don't know necessarily, maybe it's a bit too early to sit there and say whether the other teams have dropped off, but there's definitely been a lift from, you know, through the other teams. The Rebels, unfortunately, are still pretty disappointing, though. Off the back of that, and I don't know it's only early in the season, but from what you can see in the squads and the talent spread across Australia at the moment, do, do you see enough there for Dave Rennie to be really encouraged about a Wallaby side that he can pick that is capable of beating the All Blacks this year or at least getting to a, a point in the game where they're in a position to, to win? Is the depth there from your yeah, mindset? Uh, look, I, I think Dave Rennie would be pretty, pretty confident um, in terms of getting a, a squad of 30 players from the five teams that we've got. I'm personally disappointed in the, the restrictions we're placing on ourselves with just capping it at three players. Um, I don't know why they've landed on three as the magic number with the new um, uh, eligibility rules that we've, we've, just, um, we've just announced here in Australia. I just think we're, we're, not, we're in a really competitive market here in Australia. We, we need success at, at the Wallaby level, and I just don't know why we hamstring ourselves. If we feel like there's, uh, our best players are playing offshore, then we've just... We're in a position where we just we have to pick them. Um, so that's probably a little bit disappointing, given that we used seven players from overseas last year on the end-of-season tour, all of which had a positive impact. And now, for some reason, we're just capping it at three for um, any particular tournament. So um, that, I think, affects our depth a little bit. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I feel like Dave Reddy would be pretty, pretty confident in a squad that he could put together. And then it's just about... Um, yeah, just putting a game plan together that can finally, you know, overcome the All Blacks. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a, has been a while, mate, but we won't mention that. Um, it's uh, 24 past two here on uh, the Rugby Run on SCNZ. Drew Mitchell, former Wallaby, with us, mate. I, I do like a punt, so I'm looking for a little bit of guidance here, mate. Uh, what have you heard sure. about the Reds? Uh, Tate McDermott, of course, Tani Alo Tupo, you mentioned, and of course, Angus Scott Young went mm-hmm. off with an injury as well. I, I'm liking yeah. the looks of back in the force next week. I don't know about you. You know what? It's, 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 I think it's actually over in Perth, isn't it, as well? Their first game back over in the Republic of Western Australia, now that they've let people in, um, <laughs> in, in, in front of, the, in front of the, the Sea of Blue. So they'll be, they'll be, they'll be buoyed as well. They'll be back to themselves, full of confidence. So, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you'll get some juicy odds, but it's also not the, the worst bet that you could put on. I think the, the Western Force are, are quietly just coming along nicely and uh, they, they're definitely going to upset a few teams and perhaps they're going to get another one this weekend. I, I don't mind following you in on that bet actually. Alright mate, it's, if, if it comes in, I'll, I'll, I'll flick you my TRB account yeah. details, you just transfer the 10% over? <laughs> yeah, easy, no worries. <laughs> no worries. Now, uh, the Drua, of course, uh, they, they, they got touched up a bit by the Brumbies, but maybe not by as much as we thought. And it was just, I think, tough for them to, to have their first hit out against the Tars and then have to go to Canberra and play. I mean, it's a, it's a tough start to the competition. Uh, what have you made of what the Drua have brought so far? Yeah, look, I mean, look, it's, it's always going to be difficult for a team that's coming in, especially with a, an inexperienced squad, but they're, they're playing the long game in terms of building some depth for, for the, uh, the Fiji national side as well. 
Um, I, I think what we what we can see from watching the Fijian and draw, they're, they're more than capable. You know, get them a one on one, and they're they're, they're dangerous. Uh, it gives me anxiety just watching in some of the defensive situations, let alone having to go out there and execute it. But but what we're also seeing is some poor decision making. There's too many times down in their own 22. Like something that we love about the Fijians is their intent to just run from anywhere. But at the same time, it's in this type of competition, it's just putting too much pressure on themselves and their team by trying to run out of their 22, offloading at, at the wrong times, turning the balls over. And if you if you give the Brum, a team like the Brumbies uh, possession and, and in that type of territory, then they're going to put you away. So I just think they're, they're more than capable. I think they've just got to put those patches of brilliance for longer periods of, of, the, of time so they can put the opposition teams under um, more pressure at the moment. They're just not putting enough pressure. They're probably more relying on sort of that brilliance that we know that they've got to, um, to you know, to, to tick over the scoreboard. But when you've got teams that have, are hardened in competitions like Super Rugby, uh, it, it's just, it, it probably won't, it's not a, like a sustainable um, way of going about, uh, you know, success, I suppose. So uh, there's a lot to like about the Fijians, but also a lot to work on for them, I think. Well, great insight, Drew. As as always, thank you very much for joining us. And I must say, I look forward each weekend to tuning in to Stan Sport to see what you're going to stride on to the studio and um, your dress sense <laughs> really sets the weekend alight, mate. So uh, keep it up. <laughs> no worries, mate. I look forward to catching up. Hopefully we get to catch up through the test, uh, the test window. Absolutely, mate. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Uh, here we go. Uh, um, Drew Mitchell joining us, the uh, former Wallaby, and of course as part of the Stan Sport crew as well as Marshy mentioned. And uh, yeah, I was in- interesting some of his thoughts on on that. I don't know what you had made of Ben Donaldson, mate, as a bloke who's played inside a lot of good uh, first fives. So what you made of that decision making in that uh, in the big derby game? Oh, look, it's never easy, is it, in those conditions? And, and that's that's where the spotlight really comes on nine and tens because you know it's all about, like Drew said. Um, you know, reassessing at half time when the conditions are what they are and the coaches get some feedback from a lot of the players of, of how difficult it is out there and then all of a sudden they say, Oh, go out there and play better territory and get the points when you can get them and that and that really, you know, goes into the head of, of the playmakers and particularly your ten, you know, the, the conundrum of am I kicking too much, am I kicking accurately? Um, am I playing in right parts of the field? So um, look, I, I certainly think that across the board there was more to it than that. You know, I wouldn't pin it on um, decision-making of one player. I think the Waratahs have, as, as mentioned by everybody, they're a lot better outfit this year. They look better coached. They look uh, tougher. Um, but that toughness probably mentally wasn't quite there. Uh, they'll grow into that. They'll review that game. And I agree with um, what you said when you introduced Drew, Ricardo, that they probably had the better of that game. And they'll be kicking themselves that, at certain ch- uh, stages of that game, they didn't turn the pressure that they were accumulating on the Reds into points and ultimately got pipped at the post. So they'll be better for it. Um, so I think it was more across the board, the decision-making that wasn't wasn't helping them. But um, there will be improvement there, I'm sure. You're going to follow me in on the Western Force bet? Yeah, man, big time. Mate. I had the Force this weekend and uh, it was a bit of a gamble, but they were really impressive against the Brumbies. And like you said, being back in Perth, um, a couple of injuries for the Reds. The worst thing is, like, we're last discussing this already early in the week. We're already maybe the the the, the bit odds makers out there are already probably decreasing the odds. We should have just kept it quiet. All you punters right. out there will be going, mm, "That's a good bet," but shut up, boys. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, just looking at the TAB odds at the moment, uh, they only have an outright winner market up, and uh, it's no surprise that the Crusaders are paying two twenty-five, which is you know you're not getting yeah. any value there. Um, the Blues at four fifty, the Chiefs at fives, the Canes at sixes, the first Australian team to come into the Reds at thirteen, and then the Brumbies at twenty ones. Before you go to the Highlanders at twenty sixes, and then from there, you've got the rest. Uh, if if you didn't back the Crusaders to win this title, Chiefs. who do you think you would be backing? Chiefs, they're good odds, five dollars. That's good mm. odds for them. Um, you know, obviously the Blues, are, they are still, despite what happened last night, going to be there or thereabouts. And they are a team that can really challenge the Crusaders. But, yeah, that Chiefs side, um, yeah, they're a dark horse. And, uh, and they're, they're, they'll be putting out some good odds. So if I was going to have a big, big old uh, throw, a gamble out there, it would probably be with the Chiefs. All right, there you go. Watch and live bet on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly, R18, and uh, give, give us your calls. What are your take? Uh, what's your take on those ideas and uh, what you've seen out of the Australian conference so far? Give us a call 0800 150 811 or 8833. Taking it up hard and fast, it's the Rugby Run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall. Boom, far on SENZ. Keeps ice for several days and holds the big bots. We've got one of those to give away next weekend with Match Marshy. And Marshy, we've given it a dry run today and uh, put it out there. We've had uh, Scott from the Coromandel saying Adi Savia. We've had uh, Paul C say Adi Savia. We've had uh-huh. Dave from Matamata say Adi Savia. Uh-huh. We've had Terry say Adi Savia. And then uh, Ken said Josh Goodhue. So maybe he wasn't listening earlier. <laughs> uh, Josh Goodhue was outstanding though, wasn't he? And um, look, I uh, yeah, again, probably I'm going to be controversial, but when haven't I been? Um, <laughs> but I will hopefully reinforce my my decision uh, with a little bit of uh, information so that people kind of get their head around it. Um, so if that's telling you there's no hardy stuff here, put somebody else's name in the mix, lads. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Actually, uh, I had another message through saying, Marshall, what about those Sullivan boys? They've got a big future. Zahn's just 21, Balin 23, plenty of time on their side. Yeah, absolutely. And and both of them obviously going head-to-head last night and um, contributed massively to the game. Uh, they certainly have got good futures and... You know, liking the way that they are both getting involved in the game, you know, quite happy to move out of position. I certainly mentioned that Zahn got in as a first receiver. He's obviously got a prodigious kick on him as well. Um, and Balin, like in, uh, in, in the centres, was simply outstanding. So, yeah, re- really, really good to um, have that talent coming through. And that's an evolution of talent, isn't it? You know, coming through the system, um, playing well at uh, our NPC level, and then boom, into super. So it goes to show all of those budding rugby players out there that, you know, club rugby is that stepping stone through to provincial rugby and and, and into the NPC, regardless of whether it's um, the second or the Meads Cup or whatever um, area or province you live in, um, that progression can be spotted, and that's our system working that you then can make the step to super. 
Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, if you want to join that conversation, you can on 0800 150 811 or double eight double three and play match Marshy and potentially next weekend win yourself a Dometic Cool Ice WCI 33 Roto Moulded Ice Box 33 litres. It keeps ice for days. Marshy, we should talk uh, some Six Nations as well. We had a couple of games overnight and uh, the French have a pretty poor record in Scotland. So you thought if there was a banana skin, this was it. But man, they made that look easy in the end. I mean, the Scots scored a converted try at the end to, to make it look competitive. But I mean, the French missed, I think, two penalties and three conversions and they still, you know, outscored them handily. Which is unusual because uh, their goal-kicking is simply um, outstanding. But, yeah, look, I certainly think that the French are the benchmark at the moment. Uh, They have shaken off a bit of their inconsistency, um, particularly in the Six Nations where they can drift a little bit. And uh, they're impressive across the board. They've got strike power um, all over the park. They're a big pack, big, strong carriers. Uh, and they're very, very aware of where their strengths lie, and they play to them. Um, totally impressive. Um, Scotland have already shown in this competition that they are a tough nut to crack, and they'll hang in there and they'll fight for everything. Uh, so that, that that was a very, very good good win for them. Um, and, you know, I think they'll be really pleased with the way that that played out. And then, obviously, we had um, the game. Was that Twickenham, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that Wales... Um, aspirations um, were broken by the English. Uh, they won't enjoy that. I've been in a Welsh side when we when we played uh, against any English side. Uh, the, the the levels of intensity and swearing in the changing room <laughs> went up went up a hundred percent. So whether it's internationally or domestically, the, the Welsh do not like losing to the English. So that was a bit of a, a body blow for them and their aspirations. Yeah, I thought it was uh, it was telling though. I mean, the Scots have played some really good rugby in recent years, um, yep. and, and you know they look one of the more attractive sides to watch. But you watch that game, and then you compare it to England Wales, which was a bit of a turgid affair, really. I mean, you could see the difference mm. in quality, couldn't you? Yeah, you could. And you know, like I think probably when you uh, boil it down, it's two sides that um, definitely don't want to uh, lose to each other. And um, you know, England obviously losing to Scotland. Um, what wasn't ideal, and then it's always hard to gauge where you're at when you play Italy um, at the moment. Uh, so I think probably the win was paramount for both of them, and the game just went a bit insular because they've both got the ability to play but much better rugby than that, and, and I include England in that. You know, I think uh, under Eddie Jones, they, they have a, a real different mindset in the way that they can use the ball. So, um, yeah, look, uh, it's man, it's one hell of a competition this year. They're really, really enjoying it and enjoying the rugby that's being played over there, which is great to see, and it's great for the global game. Now, I tell you what, though, I mean, England finished fifth in that thing last year, which is basically like finishing yeah. bottom because Italy don't count almost. Um, I mean, if they <laughs> yeah. go that way again, you know, if they finish fourth or fifth again, um, there's got to be some serious questions asked ahead of the World Cup about whether Eddie Jones is the man to do it. Yeah, yeah, and I've not seen what's happening in near the end of the year, but I, I would think that all things being equal, the All Blacks would be due to play England. Um, I'm not sure if that, that, that has been decided yet, but uh, you, you wouldn't want to be finishing fifth in the Six Nations and then having to face the All Blacks, who they haven't played since the Rugby World Cup, where they beat them, mm. um, as, as seeing where, they, where their benchmark is leading into the World Cup the following year. You know, So, yeah, it's, there's probably going to be a bit of pressure in areas Eddie Jones would not like. No, there is. A, there was a rumour doing the rounds uh, a few months ago that Rassi Erasmus was being looked at. I mean, can you imagine that? 
<laughs> yeah, well, I could imagine the dancing in the changing shed, but um, yeah, that would be an interesting <laughs> mix, wouldn't it? <laughs> Certainly would be. It is 19 away from three. When we come back, former Crusader, current Bay of Plenty coach, Daryl Gibson joins us here on the Rugby Run. Taking it up hard and fast, it's the Rugby Run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall. Boom far on SENZ. Mustang Savage. Guess you better slow the Mustang down. This is SENZ, the rugby run, 14 away from three. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you and joining us on the phone now is Lumsden's favourite son, Daryl Gibson. G'day, mate, how you doing? <laughs> Afternoon, man. Yeah, I'm more like, mate. <laughs> well, Tia, oh, mate, you, you're the favourite son of two places. I mean, how good how good does it get? Yeah, yeah. Um, how um, how much have you been intru- uh, enjoying sitting back, mate, and uh, and watching the Super Rugby f- uh, two rounds in? Oh, it's been fantastic. I actually found myself um, agreeing with Marshy at times uh, during the commentary and call on the weekend. You know, at one stage he, he called it high octane, and uh, certainly has been. And exciting. What about the game? You know, last night, awesome finish. Hey Gibbo, yep, good to have you on the show mate um, As always your insight will be very interesting Like first of all I want to hit you up with a blockbusting question um, As a former midfielder who thought he could play on the wing with no gas um, And ended up back and ended up back in the midfield uh, what, what did you make of um, Roger Tuivasa-Shek's first up effort last night in the 12 jersey? Because honestly you probably heard me banging on I thought that there'd be too much traffic for him They should start him out wider yeah, obviously those are the questions defensively, um, and he got tested a few times. Obviously, you picked that up in the in the call around his midfield uh, midfield work. But no, very impressed. You know, for a guy who's um, transitioning into the game, I know he has a, a background during his schoolboy days. But certainly for anyone um, coming from league and then um, playing playing uh, rugby union, yeah, there's those little subtleties that he has to learn and. When there's that plenty of traffic coming down the midfield and, and lots of decisions to be made, I thought uh, you know, he was very impressive and and very um, and probably starting in a position where there's real opportunity to progress, um, you know, further if he, he really keeps impressing. Well, they used him a lot also as a, as a first receiver, um, which I'm interested in your thoughts and why they were doing that. But also, what what's his main, I guess objective to be able to play that position well that he needs to, to, to be executing properly? Yeah, I guess um, you know, the, the main skills is obviously um, his ball carry and his distribution and it's really how you know, Leon and the boys, they, they harness his strengths and then weave that into the game. What I was impressed with the Blues around was the way they um, played to their strengths. You know, we've We've seen um, this year how much firepower they've got in that back line and the way that they move the ball to the edges very quickly. You know, Plummer took the ball flat, shifted the ball very quickly to the second set of hands. And, you know, down those edges, the, the Blues look quite quite lethal. So um, I think they've really thought about their personnel, fitted the game plan to fit that. You've been a coach before and suffered some heartbreak. Um, if you're sitting in Leon McDonald's, coaching box he's probably scratching his head how he lost that game but equally uh, can you put your finger on why the Hurricanes were able to 
peg back that lead and and finally sort of in the last seconds of the game win the match you know how, how did the Blues let that get away from them I think you're spot on there I think Leon will be scratching his head going geez you know it's a 60 minutes a game we dominated we had a, a commanding lead uh, we should never have lost and I think um, somewhere in that you know the Hurricanes and two weeks in a row you know I think we've all been impressed by their never give up attitude um, unlucky the week before with those three disallowed tries but Certainly, um, you know, they're not going to die wondering, and credit to them. You know, they've, they've stuck at it, um, and they've got firepower of their own, but, um, yeah, very impressive finish, and good on them. It certainly makes this competition um, really interesting, and, boy, it's going to be tight. You know, there's, it's just going to be, um, every week, there's going to be some surprises, and uh, certainly can't wait till next weekend. You know that Blues Chiefs game; it's going to be a cracker as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Equally, buddy Tony Brown must be feeling the same way because, <laughs> you know, with 11 minutes to go, I think it was there was one point in it, and then, bang, the Crusaders. And you've been a coach there; you've been a player there. They, 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 they just hit you and take the game away from you. But equally, he because they they were good to Highlanders, weren't they? What'd you make of that game? Yeah, fantastic. I think, Marshy, what we're seeing is um, some really clever coaching, you know, particularly um, from all the teams. You know, I look at the Highlanders, um, you know, they've they're probably not arguably got the strongest roster out of the, the five or six, um, six or five New Zealand teams. Mm. But you've got to admire Brownie and what he does. Um, super clever. You know, there was some stuff in there that, um, you know, as a coach, you marvel at and go, well, that's, that's really clever. And he's maximising the talent that he has. And that's all you can do as a coach, isn't it? So, um, again, he'll be scratching his head going, geez, what do you got to do to beat these Crusaders? But equally, Marshy, you know, it's our old outfit, and as much as I don't want to bang on it, they are um, the masters of bringing young talent through or, you know, guys stepping up into a position and uh, really standing up. And I think, you know, across that team, with the firepower to come in, and the, the young ones that they're starting to bring through, you've got to admire that. And that, that you know, that in itself is good coaching and, and that. And, and Daryl, you know the, the midfield very well. That was your area of expertise as a player. We had a, we had a text earlier in the show from a bloke called Ken saying that RTS is the best 12 in the competition already after last night. I mean, uh, what's your take on, on that call? And if he's not, then uh, who is? Yeah, well, I tell you, it certainly creates competition. You know, it's a bit early, you know, game one. What I have noticed and uh, um, is he's got some real leadership qualities about him. Um, you know, he's obviously come from league. He's been the captain of the Warriors. He's got super experience. You know, everything you hear about him is his... Daryl's just gone into a tunnel. Do you want to maybe just take him off there, Jacob, and see if you can get him back on? We'll get him to start that answer again because oh, it was such an insightful question, Marshy. Yeah, it was, and you've been building up to it for one hour, 50 minutes, Ricardo, and you, you hit him with it and we lo- we lose him. That's just, you must be devastated. Oh, mate, took the took the air out of him. I was, I was trying to remember, who was the who was the hit last night? There was a there was a hit in the, uh, I think it was oh, on Will this, Jordan. Oh, Will Jordan, yeah. Boy, just bent him in half. Uh, I think yeah. we've got we've got we've got Dakel back. Uh, sorry, mate. We you went into a tunnel as soon as I finished asking that question. So uh, so go go hard. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just saying around um, RTS what 
the leadership qualities he also brings to that Blues team. I mm. think um, you know he's, he's been a captain in rugby league. Uh, he's incredibly professional, um, and then he, you can see with the interactions and dynamics with his teammates what he's bringing on that front. So that's exciting in itself. Um, and as you say, it adds um, some incredible competition into a, a midfield um, space with uh, you know the incumbents no doubt be looking over their shoulders. Well, we had your Mount Monganui um, teammate or neighbour on earlier, Glenn Jackson, who was slagging off the referees. But I guess, um, <laughs> as he would, um, you would uh, you'd obviously be keeping one eye on how the Drua are going. Not obviously with your foot in the Fijian camp, but I guess a lot of those players would they would they any of them really be putting their hand up or catching your eye for for potential. Um, selection? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, first and foremost, it's just wonderful to have you know that pathway for Fiji and rugby now. Um, and it's going to take time. I think everyone can acknowledge that. That you know you've got a large group of boys from the islands, um, and while they've largely experienced you know NRC in Australia, which is a, a tear down, you know this is Super Rugby, and it's yeah. going to take them a while to adjust. Um, you know, life, being professional, being on the road, all that sort of stuff, but. You know, we saw with the Jaguars how quickly you know, they've, they rose. And I'm expecting Fiji to do the same once they adjust. But yeah, no, there's some boys in there who are going to be incredibly valuable uh, going forward. Um, but as I say, Marshy, it's going to take a little bit of um, time to find their feet and adjust to the intensity and get to the level that they need to be at to compete. Good stuff, Daryl. Hey, it's uh, we, we're just about to, to wrap the show, and we we've got this uh, Dometic Cool Ice WCI thirty three Roto Molded Icebox worth about three hundred bucks to give away. If you can match Marshy for your for your player of the round, uh, if you were going to pick a player of the round, who would it be? And we're talking New Zealand, Tom. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Ooh. Do you know what? I reckon I'm going to go with um, Artie Savia. Captain, he's two weeks in a row, he's been there stand out along with Geordie Barrett, so I'm going to go Artie Savia. Get on the hey, train, Hey, thanks very Gibbo. much, Gibbo. Everyone's saying, think outside the square, brother. Far <laughs> out. Who is it, Marshy? <laughs> who's, who's, who's your pick, Marshy, before we finish? Balen Sullivan. Boom. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.